Welcome to Creating Synergy, where we explore what it takes to transform. We are powered by Synergy IQ. Our mission is to help leaders create world-class businesses where people are safe, valued, inspired, and fulfilled. We can only do this with our amazing community. So thank you for listening. Hey there, Synergizers, and welcome back to another episode of the Creating Synergy podcast. My name is Daniel Franco, and today we have the wonderful and most out-of-the-box thinker that I've ever met, Ms. Erin Fairman, on the show. Erin is the Chief Executive of Youth Opportunities and a leading speaker on personal leadership and coaching to help our inner superhero shine. Her experience spans from the utilities and public sectors to the youth, education, and non-for-profit sectors. As a kid from humble beginnings, Erin has the passion for working with young people facing complex challenges in their lives. She's known for her refreshing approach to encouraging purposeful play, not only in organizations, but in our personal lives, with the idea to boost happiness and connection. In this episode, Erin shares with us her career journey up until the time she became Youth Ops, and we discuss how young people are facing more complex challenges in today's world than we ever did growing up. We also discuss that prevention is the best when it comes to our mental health and well-being, and how there is a fine art to us learning to lead ourselves. This episode is an absolute game changer with so many different angles and pearls of wisdom from Erin. If you love the episode, which I'm sure you will, be sure to hit subscribe button and check us out at synergyiq.com.au. So welcome back to the Creating Synergy podcast. My name is Daniel Franco, your host, and today we have the absolutely fabulous Erin Fairman, CEO of YouthOps. Welcome to the show, Erin. Thanks, Dan. So good to see you again, joining you here this morning on Ghana land. Yes, you are. Absolutely. Actually, it is something that um, I feel like I should probably be doing more often is acknowledging. Yeah. Have a look at it. I will. Be an ally. I will. Yeah. Absolutely. Good stuff. So thanks for agreeing to come on the show. Pleasure. We've known each other for many years. Yeah. Previously working in the uh, utility space back in the day. One thing I just kind of really want to kick off with that. I, re- I reckon you played a really big part in my life. Oh. Uh, I almost turned to you, or I did turn to you as a mentor back in the day when, uh, when we, yeah, I was sort of working a few levels below you. And I remember you talking to me about being a generalist. Mm-hmm. And it's something that you kind of really still feel strongly about. I'd never even heard the term it wasn't, you know, we're working in a world of engineers, working in a world of, of really intelligent people with all these degrees. And I felt like I was lost and didn't really know where my space went. You know, you don't get a degree for understanding human behavior or you don't get a degree for uh, being able to read emotions and stuff like that or working with people. And um, it was really something that you brought to the forefront of my mind. So are you? can you explain to us your number one, your journey, and then how you became to understand that you are what you call a generalist. Yeah. Well, someone did the same thing for me. Oh, there you go. uh, Once upon a time, and I had a moment of insight where they called themselves a generalist and explained 
what that meant to them and I went, I think that's what I am. So <laughs> isn't that beautiful? It, it is. You've probably done that to other people now too who are off living their generalist lives. Yeah, <laughs> and it's funny because you probably don't even remember the conversation that we had. But I do remember the yeah, conversation. Yeah, you do? Excellent. I don't remember the detail but I do remember having some really great deep and meaningful conversations with you about mm. life, the universe and everything. Mm -hmm. um, and I do remember the person who talked to me about being a generalist and said, yeah. oh, I'm a generalist. I went, oh, that sounds cool. Maybe yeah. I am. I think, though, before the, I had the label, I had had insight that, um, so I have a technical background. I yeah. was in IT and I was yeah. recruited into that business where I was for 17 years and had 11 jobs in an IT technical role. But the skills that I bought from having done marketing in my IT degree, which is an interesting combo, especially 25 years ago mm -hmm. when that wasn't really the dumb thing, um, were uh, I, I began to realize that I started getting a reputation in the business for being a generalist, although we didn't call it that. Yep. I would often call it the Mary Poppins effect where <laughs> you people go, come over here, help me with a thing, <clears throat> and then once you've kind of taken it to the next level, you kind of go off again and it's ready for the next So person. pull it out of the kit bag, so to speak. Exactly, yeah. and you've got this you know, this interesting thing that um, that the business needed at that point in time to break through something that the technical skill sets that were sitting there weren't doing, mm -hmm. but that you also weren't the saviour for everything. That, you know, you come in, you do a thing and then you move on yeah. and you let the next people come in to do something. So being a generalist for me meant that um, in an organisation full of technical specialists, I had those bridging skills, the people skills, like you said, the skills that um, could read between the lines and bring people together, a very facilitative skill set. It had all that uh, change management. Um, my IT background was in business analysis, and you can now do degrees in that. You never used to be able to. Yeah. Um, but it had those business analyst skill sets where you're learning how to talk to a, a business about its processes, uh, but also customer perspectives about what they want to achieve and the technologists then about what these systems did and try and bring the two together and you had database mm. engineers but then you had clients and these people not necessarily were speaking the same language. Yep. So I did have some technical um, skills in that area which turns out are really great skills for being a generalist and then working across different technical areas and in different industries mm -hmm. because they're those foundational skills about problem solving and team building and communication and building relationships and trust with people that you can then pretty much go and apply anywhere. Anywhere. The critical thing as a generalist, though, is you realize that you're not a technical specialist. So mm -hmm. you don't, you're not really the one that comes up with the solutions. Your job is to facilitate the solutions. Yeah, remove the bollards out of the way. Yeah, and you don't people. know enough to micromanage or second guess. So I had roles in that organization that were traditionally filled by very technically skilled and competent people. And I'm sure people used to look at me and go, she's at least 30 years younger and has no <laughs> engineering degree or no science degree or no customer yeah. analytics degree. What is she doing? But I was just really good at asking good questions, mm. connecting my teams with other teams in the organisation and knowing, being a smart client, knowing enough that, yep, my people are on top of this and being able to summarise up because that is one of the downfalls sometimes of being a technical specialist. And this is if I get talking about youth ops, I'll be here all yeah, day. Yeah. You know a lot. It's really hard to cliff notes that yeah, because you know so much. Mm. And so when you're reporting up or working out, it can be really hard to simplify or, you know, they'll say dumb down or the like kid version of something. Like, yeah. How do you do that when you know so much? Mm. And so there is definitely some value in having those types of people around. Absolutely. Um, but you need the technical specialists as well. 
Oh, gotta have both. Well, it's part of the ecosystem, really, of, mm. of some build up a team of great people with all different skill sets and figure out how to make it work together. Yeah. What do you do? You think the level of empathy needs to be higher for for generalists, or does it? Is that a skill set, or is it like understanding how to work with people and and or, or having some connection to the purpose of of what you're actually mm. trying to achieve? Do you feel it's like a good question, Dan? I think um, I'm a very values aligned leader, mm-hmm. and so I'll often when I'm mentoring young people or people in workplaces or, or coaching, I'll often because it's my bias and my preference, I'll take them to their values. What mm-hmm. do you believe in? What matters to you? Mm-hmm. And then from that, strengths based to building your skills yeah so if you're the sort of person that um, believes that being empathetic adds value to the world and you have a bit of a strength in that that you want to continue strengthening then you probably going to be attracted to jobs that require that yeah being say a generalist or working in care services or where i am now in not-for-profits um that there are probably certain job types you'd be attracted to if you authentically let that come through for you mm-hmm. um and then it might also explain why some people are frustrated in areas um, I used to line manage engineers I remember one young graduate uh, and she was just not happy but just technically brilliant she'd done a great job at university was technically generating really good engineering outputs but really unhappy and um, fast forward now she's a florist anyway <laughs> she's a florist <laughs> no, um, I think she got a bit of your uh, well I think creative thinking <laughs> she had that there but she I think she'd, as she'd grown up, I don't want to speak for her, but um, as, as she'd grown up, she'd, I guess, received messages from the world that if you're a creative problem solver and you, you know, have families have expectations of your education mm. and what you do as a job and so you become an engineer, it's what you do, it's creative problem solving. Mm. What she wanted to do was creative problem solving with flowers and creative arts and hands-on mm. tactile I think things. I know who you're talking about. And so, well, maybe, uh, <laughs> it's pretty, Adelaide's pretty small. <laughs> And so I think I just probably ask questions of people in a way that help them discover that your values and your strengths can be brought to life in many ways. One is an engineering degree and one is floristry and there's a whole bunch of others as well. Um, And that makes you very flexible and sets you up well for the future of work because that will keep changing. And if you think that you're going to die in a ditch if you don't become an engineer, then that's a really risky perspective on life. Absolutely. Because that might not happen. So you are an out-of-the-box thinker. I've only ever known Erin <laughs> to be an out-of-the-box thinker, right? Thanks, Dan. And absolutely love that quality about you. Case in point, the example that you just gave me as a potential, your words have had some serious effects on people from aligning them in a direction that is positive in their life, right? Changing direction, changing careers, um, how much as a leader, right, and CEO now, but even in previous roles, how much of do you look at the words that you use in your everyday life? Do you hold them in really good check? Yeah, um, that's a great question. It's a constant area that I work on mm. because I think we all do. Uh, yes. <laughs> so I think I do have that mantra in my head: the power of your words. Mm. And I'm so strongly, authentically myself that I will often step on landmines. Mm. Uh, because I am, as I say, so biased to personal empowerment and having strong sense of agents and being very authentic and open about your development areas and what you want to work on and getting feedback and the joy and the gift of receiving feedback. And you often forget that not everyone's like that. Mm. So you might 
give some constructive feedback without really thinking about how you're going to frame that or create a situation of psychological safety for that person, you know, not, not saying it for yeah. everybody else. Yeah, yeah. And if you're lucky, they'll tell you that you stepped on the landmine and like, hey, I didn't really like how you did that. I didn't appreciate your words or your words have negatively impacted me. If you're really unlucky, they won't even tell you, you won't know, and you'll erode trust and you'll create a culture that's not positive. Yeah. So the best thing people can do is tell you when you've stepped on the landmine yeah. and react in a way that encourages them to keep telling you if that happens. Um, and I've done a few of that well, few I think of those lately. <laughs> well, I think it's a learning curve for all, isn't it? I mean, yeah. at no point have you said you're perfect and when you are giving feedback, there's no point have you ever mentioned that what you're about to say no. is <laughs> right or wrong, right? It's your opinion as their leader. Yes. So it yeah. is, or a friend, or, or a coach well, to correct. a young person, correct, or yeah. a client of the physio, or a partner with a school principal. Mm. You know, you go, you're parenting, or for me, step grandparenting. Yeah. Or I've got 15 nieces and nephews. You know, there's so many relationships I have in my life. And as I say, if you're lucky, you've got relationships where people will tell you when you've hurt them and you didn't realize that because mm. you built trust and respect with them in a way that they feel like they care about the relationship enough that they'll tell you and that you'll react in a way that's positive and in the best interest of the relationship. And my skill set in that space is exponentially better for having met my best friend, Courtney, who is who got me into youth ops because she lives and breathes it and it's some of the tools in our program and that she learned it because she's actually a graduate from when she was 15. She's in her 30s now and a parent and she is the most technically skilled person I've ever met in how to build relationships and have those conversations and to say, Brilliant. look, I really, what I really want, that goal congruence is a relationship with you and therefore I want to tell you that you hurt me mm. or I want to tell you that I'm worried that you're not telling me if I'm hurting you. Oh, it's just, it's magic to watch her and have her as well. Well, thank you, Courtney. Uh, if you're right. listening, you are, uh, you owe, we owe you a lot for <laughs> yes. getting Erin uh, into the world that she's in. So tell us about that role into mm. youth ops and becoming CEO. I understand oh, that yeah. you're on the on the board previously before becoming the CEO. Can yeah. you tell us about how that transition worked? Yeah. So um, I did meet this wonderful person, Courtney, who I was friends with, and she would go on and on about youth ops at the time. She had, had been working there as well after school, but um, uh, had left to have some children, and she just made me fall in love with this organization she went back to work there again I won't say baby's got a bit older mm -hmm. uh, and it was at that time I was doing an MBA and was saying that look I do volunteering with youth organizations and other places uh, but I'm feeling like I want to use my MBA my strategic kind of board and executive management skills in my volunteering now rather than what I had been doing which was kind of really unskilled volunteering yeah. and um, she said oh my gosh I'll mention it to our CE and uh, anyway, fast forward to being on the board. That was a fun Stephen Bradbury moment for me because <laughs> I, we, I was going to just volunteer to provide some strategic support uh, through a, a youth advisory committee to the CE and the board. And yep. um, so that all was getting set up on the side. And then the board said, well, we love that idea, but also they could go rogue. So we want the chair of the committee to sit on the board. And I got a call while I was in China on my MBA study tour saying, oh, um, you've been appointed to the board as the chair of the subcommittee. And I went, what? sorry, what? I'm yeah. a board member. Yeah. What happened? Yeah. <laughs> Great. Where thanks. I know. Yeah, I'm like 35 or whatever. Cool. Yeah. Thank you. I was like, that was on my bucket list for 50, but <laughs> thanks. <laughs> I'll take it. I know. I'll take it. 
Um, so I was very fortunate to learn how to be a board member real time. I was doing my Australian Institute of Company directors courses, the final subject of my MBA, like nine months after I became a board member. Mm. So it was very active learning yeah. experience. And no better a way. A fantastic board um, to support uh, development of a young person uh, and a new board member. So that was very good. And then a um, couple of years on, we'd had a few goes at um, succession planning our chief executive who I think technically had come out of retirement um, in his business career um, as a bit of a, a, a favour to the founder, Peter Marshman, who is still involved in our yeah. organisation. So, yeah, yeah, I'll come and look after it for a few years for you. And he's just sort of trying to get back into retirement through succession planning and, and hadn't worked out. Um, and because I was a known entity and I'd been helping the board for a few years with strategy and succession planning, culture change, they um, said to me, um, one day the chairman called me in and said, would you take a pay cut and come run the organisation? And I said, sure. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds great. Why not? I loved my job um, and actually I made them wait six months because yeah. I was doing a project I was really passionate about finishing in, and it was a community-based project so I felt I'd made a commitment to the community yeah. to deliver that with our organisation. So they waited six months for me and then I had a year transition um, shadowing that CE um, to go from it being my side hustle my day job yeah well. uh yeah so I, I got to be his understudy for a year the business side um it, i mean it's a totally different industry yeah and i when i arrived i think about 20 people there and it's just i couldn't believe how complex it was compared to the company i'd come from of 2000 yeah like how can it actually be this yeah. complex and it yeah. was um so there's a lot to learn in terms of the industry and the way the business operated but the business fundamentals i had already so that wasn't a stretch um, finances and culture and keeping your eye on safety and um, customer experience management and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, but the relationship management in the philanthropic world was a whole new world and that mm. was something that I still call him, Peter Carey, he's our ambassador now, um, I still call him for advice um, because he is an expert at relationship management and building really meaningful um, value-adding relationships with people mm. um, and that's something you're not going to learn overnight. No. <laughs> he's, he's learned that over decades of experience and his values. I'm interested in the pay cut and I, <laughs> and, and, and I know out of all that I've pulled the pay cut but I'll, I'll tell you where I'm going with this is it really speaks true to your values, right, That mm. you and your purpose in life about giving back. Can you unpack to us where that decision and why that decision? Because so many times you hear, no, I'm not going to go there. It's, look, it's really, it's an air industry in an area that I want to go into, mm. but it's 20 grand less. I've got kids to feed. I've got, yeah. you know, all this sort of stuff. Yeah. You, you took that plunge yeah. uh, based on your purpose, I believe, and, and the values that you live yeah. by. Can you unpack that for me? Yeah. And I think. You're right, they are real barriers for people and it wasn't a plunge for me because I designed my life in a way that it wouldn't be a plunge. Okay, great. So let me take you back a bit. I think I'd had enough experiences in that organisation and my husband had in his professional and personal life as well that people were holding them back from the things that would make them genuinely happy in life because of the very real financial and life expectations of them mm -hmm. I can't just quit being an engineer and be a florist uh, my parents you know invested in my degree and, blah, 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 and yep. society expects me to live in 
this particular suburb and taking my kids out of that private school was a really big deal um, for me. Um, and uh, so no judgment there, but I saw that in people who were deeply unhappy and grappling with sometimes with mental health issues. And I grew up around a lot of really bad um, mental ill health and I knew that was something I wanted to avoid it at all costs. Mm. Uh, and I thought that's not the life for me. So my husband and I really purposefully have designed our lives in a way that if both of us ended up unemployed tomorrow, unlikely, touch wood, but possible for anybody, yep. that we would be okay. We'd be okay emotionally, physically, that, you know, if I had to sleep on a couch, I'd be okay with that. If we had to live in a caravan park, I'd be okay with that. If the worst case scenario happened, we would be okay because that's what matters to us, our well-being and our sense of happiness more than anything else. So we live very modest lives and consequently we now have money to donate, yep. <laughs> which is really right. nice, and to pay for his son's degree and uh, his daughter and her family are living with us right now. We've bought a house for them to live in. So we can choose where to invest our money, but we know we've got that core. So it's not a big plunge for me. And I know not everyone is um, willing or able to take those decisions. But for us, it meant that when someone said to me, would you love to take on a new role with enormous amount of growth and I'm backing you and I believe in you, but I really can't afford to pay you what you're currently being paid. It wasn't a barrier. It's like, fine, sounds great. Yeah. Um, but not everybody's necessarily in that position. But if you want to get in that position, you can get into that position. Yeah, correct. Yeah. I, look, I, I feel like I was in the same position yeah. starting my own business was what I felt like was a plunge. But in the same in the same breath, I had set up my life to have enough in the kitty. I also have the luxury of having a family that if I was mm. to lose everything, I could just go move in with yeah, mum and dad, with. right? Yeah, so <laughs> like that that is a luxury. But that thought process of, well, it's not so bad, my ego takes a hit, no problems, you would see otherwise different scenarios in the work that you do with yeah. some of the, the, the kids, uh, the, the youths, uh, the young people, I yeah. should probably use the right terminology, yeah. that, uh, that you work with. Can you give us a bit of background why youth opportunities exist? What, what is yeah. the purpose of, of the business? Yeah. So I mentioned our founder, our founder, Peter Marshman, who's a South Australian businessman. Um, I think OAM is the proper post-nominal for him. Mm -hmm. yep. uh, he started the charity about 24 years ago, very successful in business and was finding in his businesses, mostly sales oriented, so burns for blinds um, and uh, that kind of industry, yep. um, trying to hire young um, up and coming sales professionals, you know, you're talking door knocking, cold sales type stuff yeah. as well as other roles who had the skills to talk to people, talk to people, understand their needs, you know, sell to them, but in a genuine way and struggling with that. So he created his own internal development program for his staff and it was so successful that um, he uh, eventually became so successful in business. He sold that business and started the charity and started the Youth Opportunities Personal Leadership Program and started delivering that as a non-for-profit in South Australian schools most in need of support. Yeah. So we started at Salisbury High School. So where did that, where did that mm. passion come from though? Like why? In Peter? Yeah, like why? Well, you, I think you should interview Peter about that. That'll be, <laughs> yes. yeah. Well, let's, uh, if you could yeah. facilitate that. Yeah, great. I could definitely <laughs> do that because um, his story is amazing yeah, as well. I so I don't want to speak for him, but I just know that I get the benefit. As I say, he's still involved now yeah, in our organisation right. and I um, have the fortune of having lunch with him at least once a month to yeah. pick his brain. Perfect. He's an amazing thought leader. 
Um, but I think he he de- definitely a philanthropic heart, lots of values in that, obviously, and wanted to give back to the community and wanted to go and support young people who needed it and yeah. saw that where young people are is at school yeah. and that there would be a way to partner philanthropy and school leaders in delivering this program. So fast forward to today, it has evolved quite a bit, obviously, mm. over 24 mm. years, uh, but today we work with 29 schools across South Australia, um, also a whole bunch of non-school organisations, uh, but uh, 29 schools uh, to deliver personal leadership programs. Now, if you're in business, it's you know what a leadership program is. You've probably mm-hmm. been on a few of them. It's we run kind of, them. Yeah, you run them, <laughs> yes. I highly recommend them. Um, that it's like that for 15-year-olds. Yeah. That's so cool. um, in, in a sense, so we have a, a framework. Uh, there's four big decisions. There's about 50 tools. The core program is a 10-week face-to-face program. So we take the young people out of school a day a week for 10 weeks. They have graduation at the end. There's um, They get SACE points. It has to be aligned to the SACE curriculum. Yeah. It is a very serious part of their learning. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we take them through how to become personal leaders. So for us, um, and this is why I'm so in love with youth opportunities. Mm. For us, that's about how do you lead yourself and what is your version of success? We believe it's happiness, but you have to work out what's going to make you happy in life. And that doesn't have to be a selfish version. It can be service to community, for Mm. example, or service to family. Uh, But what is going to make you happy in life? And now how do we give you the skills, the tools, and the confidence and the practice to pursue that version of success for you? You lead you no matter how easy or hard your life circumstances are. You can do it. Mm. It'll be harder for some of you and easier for some of you because you'll have more or less support and more or less stacked against you, but you can do that. And we lift that aspiration and confidence in themselves through that program and two years of post-program coaching and scholarships and a whole bunch of other opportunities that we offer them to help them thrive in life. Such a such a good thing. Isn't it? I I know, I'm so privileged. I got a thousand (laughs) questions out of that. Happiness being the objective mm-hmm. is that is my my way of thinking about happiness is that it's a moment in time, yeah. right? You're happy in a moment in time. Yeah. The next day, something can happen, and that can all fall fall, fall to the ground. Yeah. Is it about being content or grateful? Is that sort of They're another really, way? Of, another yeah, way? that is often how people will articulate what mm. we mean by that. And yeah. there are a couple of tools and some time we spend with young people talking about enduring happiness, like a baseline level of happiness yeah. and contentedness yeah. versus um, just short-term emotional happiness. And there's yeah. ups and downs every minute of the day, months, yeah. years, uh, but that enduring sense of happiness, that sense inside you that even on tough days you're headed in the right direction, you have the confidence in your capabilities, you um, and, and we use it what they call the epoch measure, measure of well-being. Mm-hmm. And so there's um, EPOCH five constructs. Uh, and I, you know, do you feel engaged in life? Are you feeling positive? Are you feeling optimistic? Are you, are you feeling happy? Yeah. That these are enduring measures, not just points in time measures. Yeah, so great. we do help young people come to terms with what that difference is because yeah. happiness does. Um, it's kind of almost come a bit full circle and there there are some really great books on toxic positivity, yeah. for example, yeah. uh, because you don't want to be too happy and in mm. denial about the world. <laughs> um, Dr. Tim Sharp, who's often referred to as Dr. Happy, is one of my favourite yeah. speakers on this topic. He talks about, um, you know, you can say you're happy and you're smiling and you're laughing as you're falling off a cliff and that's just stupid. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's toxic positivity. Yeah. That's not what we're talking about, no. being happy every minute. 
Um, but it's not being authentic, yeah. is it really? Well, no, and it's not necessarily leading you towards a life of success. Yeah. yeah. So we help them connect with that enduring version. So one of the really simple tools for us, um, let me share with you, we call it looking for blue. Mm-hmm. And it's about how our brains are designed as humans to be biased towards noticing the negative and how you can, um, this is a lot about habits, you can train your brain. It's not easy, but you can make a big decision to train your brain to notice the positive things in life. And this is the practice of gratitude, right? Yeah, Go out of your way every day to notice three things to be grateful for. That doesn't make the 20 terrible things that happened today go away. They're mm-hmm. still there. But you get to choose whether you focus at night on the 20 things that went wrong or focus at night on the 20 things that went right. And they do make fundamental changes to your attitude, of course, but even to your body physically about yeah. the kind of chemical reactions. Yeah. So we, yeah, we talk to them about what are you looking for because they're both are there, the positive and the negative in life, and train yourself through habits to look at the positive. Yeah. Absolutely. There's two really good books that you could I could tack onto that, which is The Happiness Project. Uh, have yes, you, have you, yes. Yeah, yes. so that's a ripper where he talks about going home and re- reviewing the uh, the three things that you're grateful that happened during the day and then Atomic Habits for oh, anyone. I haven't read it still. That's about habit stacking and yeah, all that habit great stacking, stuff. Yeah, habit mm. stacking, yeah. So start with small mm-hmm. items. So I'll, I'll, it's a completely different example, but if you want to, you know, if, if the ultimate goal is to lose some weight, for mm-hmm. example, then yeah. the first habit that you should do would, should be get up and make your bed, yeah. right? Yeah. And I know it's got nothing to do with uh, losing weight, but the next habit is then do 10 push-ups or yeah. whatever it might be. So yeah. you stack onto yes. there. And then once you get that, you, know, you make your bed for a week, you add yeah. the push-ups, then you, uh, then you go out for a 15-minute walk and yeah. then you, add, you, know, you stack on top of that. Yeah. You come back, you have breakfast and you create a routine. Yeah. So getting home every night, whether it's journaling or writing down three things that you're grateful, mm. is definitely something uh, yeah. that is powerful. So we use the, um, that, that evidence-based tactic with our young people Great. and I call them small acts of bravery. Yeah. Um, so we will often, well, the program is group, base there's about 18 young people in a group so they get all that really great experiential learning and um that normalizing of sharing experience oh my gosh you feel that way too i thought i was the only one that was too scared to put my hand up in class wow so there's all of that great stuff happening facilitation and then there's one-on-one coaching and you guys know you're experts at coaching you know the power of coaching and in those coaching sessions we're working with young people to understand their specific goals and how we can get them from where they are now to where they want to be. And that won't happen overnight in some cases. And so using the habit stacking with them, what we might say to them in week two is, okay, the goal you're working towards is a better relationship with your parent. Mm -hmm. So don't go straight in, have a really difficult conversation with them. You can start small and it's habits too. Positive communication is a really big part of our program. One of our four big decisions is sending stars, which is positive communication. Mm, So how about this week? What do you reckon you could do to send a message to your mum, let's say, that you do actually care about her. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know, if you have yeah. to help them, you help them. Well, how about when you come home, instead of throwing your bag at the door and going to your room and sitting on your phone for 10 hours, you go and just say hello. Mm. That'd be a start. Do you want to start there? And sometimes I say, that's enough. I'll try that for a week and I'll report back. And sometimes I go, I can do that and I can do more. Actually, I'll make them a cup of tea every night. Mm. Great. Love it. Then, you know, three weeks down the track, they've got into this habit of positive communication and opening up that relationship with their parent who is hopefully starting to respond back as well yeah. with similar and now you're ready for different conversations. Yeah. 
mum, it really matters to me that you and I are on the same page about me getting a nose ring. That was one of the ones I helped a student with last term. (laughs) I really want a nose ring and you don't really want me to have one. And I know it's been a big thing that we've fought about. I want to talk about that. If they go from throwing their bag at the door and sitting on their phone for six hours in bed, not talking to their parents to, I want a nose ring, of course there's fights. Mm. So you've got to build up those habits of positive communication and relationships before you can get to the next level. Yeah, that's that's so good. That's the yeah. thing about my my conversations I have with my kids yes. every single day. And it's a matter of influence. And I don't think it's manipulation, but influence is the I think a better word. It's it's about you ha- almost you have to give to receive. Like it's that simple. I, I and I believe that's the way that works. The more and more you put out and the more and more positive energy you put out, the more and more it comes back at you. The more and more negative energy you put out, the more and more that comes back at yeah. you. I think it really just works that way. Um I'm so interested in the parent-child relationship uh-huh. because you talk about, you know, making a cup of tea. Yeah. There are parents who are so unaware of the environment or what their actual their child is actually trying to achieve yeah. that they might criticise, what are you actually up to? What are you trying to get out of me? What do you yeah. want? You know, yeah. those are the questions that come out when, when, um, whoops, when, the, um, when the youth – a uh, young person, I should it's say, changing their behaviour. It's changing their behaviour. Yeah. That's right. So how do you, how do you deal yeah. with those scenarios where parents skeptical? Yeah, for example. Yeah, and probably not at the level of self awareness that they need to be at as well. Yeah, maybe also. So two prong attack for us in that sense. Um, one is that you know in any relationship, when people start behaving, one person starts behaving differently without saying why. You know, you kind of know the rules of the game in a relationship. And when one of them shifts without telling you why, you may or may not notice that Mm. it's happened. And if you're lucky, you've noticed and you've asked the person, is there something going on with you? Because you're acting differently, Mm. either positively or negatively. Um, So there's that. There's like, there's natural for people to go, wait, you don't ever do that. What's going on? Yeah. Even if it's a positive thing. So that's going on. So one thing we can, we do with young people is we set them up for success by warning them. You're going to change your behavior and people might not understand what's going on Mm. because that happens. So if you're feeling really brave, um, then you can tell them that's what you're doing. Mm. I want to make you a cup of tea because our relationship really matters to me. And they still might send what we call a black hole, the opposite of a star black hole back like, oh, that's weird. Just go clean the dishes. Yeah. And we've given you now the skills and the tools to accept and understand that you're putting out stars, they're sending back black holes, that's their habit. You're changing your habits but they're not changing theirs yet because they don't know stars and black holes. So tell them about stars and black Mm. holes and tell them about habits. And maybe they go, yeah, I know all that but I didn't realise or actually this is all new for me. So we help the young people determine how much of that they'll incorporate into their lives and with teachers or parents or whoever it might be even friends with bullying situations. The other way we come at it is with parent and educator workshops So um, and and the work that we do with parents. So the program that I personally trained last term, uh, every three weeks or so we were sending emails to the parents or carers of the young people on the program saying, this is what we're doing with your kids this week. Here's the Stars and Black Holes video. It's about positive communication. You might like to watch it. There's a webinar next week on the human brain and the science of teenage minds. Yep. You can come along to that. We're talking about Change Loop, which is about changing behaviour and attitudes. So we're trying to, if those parents are open and willing to understanding the journey that their young person's going on or themselves just wanting to know more, 
then that that option's there for them. So the best case scenarios are where the parents are putting that work in, asking their kids what they're doing at Youth Ops, why are they changing, and the kids are feeling brave enough to speak up about it as well. It's so good that you're working in... You're hitting it at both ends, or say. Yeah, we call it Project 360. Yeah, yeah. Wrap it all the way around that young person to give them the best chance yes. to be successful. Brilliant. So, what is your typical avatar for you know from a young person look like? Is it is it the high achieving kids that you go into the school and oh, these are high achieving, or is it yeah. it's, it's all of them? So there's, there is no. There's one common denominator. Yeah. They want to do the program. Okay. It's very important to us. Um, so the way that we work with all our programs, not just the one that's the 10 week in schools, there's online versions, there's non-school based versions at football clubs and trucking companies and steelworks, always the fundamental core of our philosophy is we go in and we talk to people about what they can get out of the program. And we'll often have, um, someone who's completed the program share their lived experience because their language will resonate more than whatever we might say you get out of it. And they apply to do the program. And in the school-based setting, that means we'll go in and we'll talk to a whole bunch of year 10s about, hey, here's youth ops, here's a kid that did it last year, da 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 this is what you can get out of it, here's an application form, five-minute interview, we select 18 young people and we say, congratulations, you've got a spot uh, on the program and here you go. In some schools we have really long wait lists. Uh, in other schools for various reasons, like, you know, you're pulling together 18 young people. Um, and so they have to want to do it. And you guys would know here, right? Like you, when you're coaching people and they're on leadership programs, if they don't want to change anything about their life, then what are you there for? Yeah. They've got to, they've got to see some reason why they might want to integrate this new knowledge. I mean, it can be a curiosity and a growth mindset. Mm. So those young people could be the school leaders, the high performing athletes, the, um, the person who's in the wellbeing hub helping people with bullying problems, yeah. the people that are doing coaching at netball on the weekend, but they just have a growth mindset and they want to continue being the best version of themselves. And then there could be the young people who are really hating life. They're not happy at home. They're not happy at school. They're feeling completely disengaged. They've probably got really serious mental health challenges, uh, but they see that from something that, maybe the previous participant shared that maybe life could change for me. Maybe Mm. I could do something about where I am now that would get me out of this. Mm. There's some hope there. And you get SACE points and you get a day off school a week to go out (laughs) at lunchtime and hang out in plain clothes. You don't have to wear a uniform. But sometimes those are the things that hook those kids. Yeah. And then they get there and realise this is a really life-changing opportunity. There's an opportunity that that, that some – fall through the cracks though, right? There are yeah. some kids that really want to go on, but they're not enough, they're not confident enough yep. to uh, They're not at school that day. They're not at school that day. <laughs> they feel like their life and their life at home, no matter what leadership program they go on, it's not going to change anything anyway. So mm-hmm. they don't bother. Do you, is there a way to capture those or what do yeah. you do in that space? Yeah, we try. So as a nonprofit, mm. our programs don't cost the young people in schools or their families, anything. Okay. We have a partnership arrangement with schools where they pay a third and we fundraise the other two thirds through philanthropic purposes. Okay. We have a little bit of funding from the Department for Education, but most of it is donors. So um, my team and I spend a lot of time finding people who want to invest in youth and getting mm. money from them mm. so that we can increase what I call our dance card. How many yeah. kids can we get through? How many schools can we work with? And we can – we. We're throttled by how much we can grow there, by how much we can fundraise. Yeah. So that's one of the ways that we do it is constantly trying to find people who want to invest in youth, 
and want to put some money into partnership in helping these young people and removing some of these social issues um, systemically um, and bringing that to life through partnerships with schools. The other is completely adapting our programs and services so we can offer things in different ways. Mm. So we now offer programs outside the school gates and that's um, a relatively new innovation yep. for us, 23 years of only <clears throat> delivering mostly through schools. Yep. Now if a young person um, contacts us and says, look, I'm 16 years old, I don't go to a school that you're in, my principal's not very interested in having you, but can I do your program? We now have a way to say yes to that, which yeah, is phenomenal as of like two weeks ago. Yeah. <laughs> it's very new. Congratulations. Um, thank you so much. And um, businesses. So we were trialing in Wyala last year. It went amazing. If a business comes to us and says, I've got in that situation, I've got apprentices, they're learning their technical trade skills. They're technically looking really great and brilliant. But there's so much more in business success than that. Yeah. And they're not going to learn that in their, you know, their TAFE automatic uh, mechanic yeah. type yeah. program. So can I offer yours alongside that uh, and we'll go in and run our programs alongside their technical training so that they can become really great holistic community leaders and business leaders yeah. at, you know, 15 years old or for some of them they're, you know, 29 years old. So we've got lots of different ways now that we can say yes to people. Yeah. Um, some of that is under a social enterprise model, like mm -hmm. with the businesses. So we don't fundraise to support them. Yeah. They support themselves. They see value in it for their workforce and their community. Great. Uh, but when we work uh, particularly in schools and with our scholarships program that is subsidised by our donors. Great. Is, mm. is there – is that – is it a problem that from a funding point of view that it's the schools are only coming from a – philanthropic point of view or you know is there a way that I mean are you targeting private schools that have money or are you like in the is past, that we've worked with private schools who similar to the businesses yep. say hey we've got money and we see value in this we want you to come in and run it often yep. private schools have enough funding and resources that they'll self-service they've yep. got on staff psychologists and curriculum yeah. developers and you know they'll often have their own teams of people doing that mm. but we have i went it. to a private school there was nothing you didn't, like well, there was nothing we're like a bit older dan we are they didn't have one back in my well, day no either, that's right it's a but thing now <laughs> yeah i don't i'm not sure that it is my children go to a private school yeah, well I'm, you can I'm ask them to, if they need yeah. some help <laughs> no well that's the way. thing I, I i believe that there's probably Still an element that you could target there. Anyway, yeah. we're getting down to a business model. I know, here, so. I know, right? Yeah, I know. Oh, I know. And, you know, at the moment, it's and, you know, federal budget, while we're recording this, has recently just come out. Yeah. And for us, um, we have amazing outcomes in well-being and mental health distress prevention. Yeah. Hasn't been traditionally very much funding there no. at all, but that's increasing, which is amazing. Very mm. exciting. Sad that it has to happen. But very exciting that funding's starting to shift into preventative models mm. and our program has amazing results. Half the kids that do our program that are at high risk of psychological distress complete the program no longer at high risk. Yeah, and that's I, phenomenal. I that's, saw that. You had that in your annual report, the 48%. Yes. Yeah. 48%. Well, right here, yeah. 48% are less likely to develop mental health issues. They're, yeah. That's a bloody good stat. Can, Isn't it? Can you? Can you <laughs> what that? I'll unpack can, it. Yeah, you. unpack that because that's amazing. Means, so at the start of our pro, so this is our 10-week program. Yeah. At the start of the program, we use the wellbeing, which is the EPOC score, and a K10, a Kessler 10 score, which is the risk of psychological distress. So it either means you're already experiencing uh, a mental health issue like anxiety or depression, self-harming, uh, something like eating disorders, yeah. whatever they might be, yeah. or you're at very high risk of developing it. 
sometime in the near future. And we see the stats about something like 75% of young people um, developing a mental health issue either now or by the time they're 24. So that's what you're seeing, that very high risk. You might not have it yet, but you're very you're on the path to it. Yeah. And so what we see is a, a halving in 10 weeks of the number of people at high risk of having one of those to no longer being at high risk. They might be down in the orange band because, yeah. you know, they might still be homeless. Yeah. Um, or they might have gone even into the green band. And yeah. in addition to that, we have young people in the amber kind of orange band that go into the green band. Yeah. This is just the reds. Yeah, that's And amazing. so personally, last term, I was working with young people who had previous experiences with Headspace um, because of their mental health issues and they're 15, um, trying to get back into Headspace, which is positive because they'd had a positive experience and they believed in help seeking, but were on something like a they knew that if they even got the courage up to ask mum to take them to the GP for a mental health care plan, they were up for a nine-month wait to get into their particular headspace. Mm. And that does vary for different headspaces, but that's what she believed. So she wasn't help-seeking uh, even though she knew it would be a positive outcome for her. So she was experiencing anxiety, not currently being treated. And in that 10 weeks, coupled with her experience she'd had previously at headspace, she finished our program saying, I love Headspace and maybe I will go there, but I don't think I need to go there right now. Mm. So we've just taken that young person for now. Who knows what life yeah, might yeah. have for her in future. Correct. But for now, we've avoided her having to go to a GP, having to get into the Headspace system and having to get that support. That is a, that's a real-time preventative outcome. That's a win. It's a huge win. And, and for her, she's a person. Well, is that – so I'm going to get into business model because I love this part of the, the – <laughs> Give me advice, So is there an opportunity to get funded by NDIS and stuff like that? Yes, I mean, there is. Yeah, so it would yes. be definitely – NDIS, um, job network provider, yeah. type space. We are partnering – we're looking at partnering with um, one of the big headspace providers here in the state, wonderful man called Steve who runs those that we're talking about. How do we make this work together? Mm. Because at Youth Ops, one of our values is being stronger together. We're, mm. we're big on partnerships and having allies. Brilliant. I don't want to duplicate things. If great people are already doing great things, let them do those and just refer people to them. So primary schools, I don't do primary schools. Yeah. No. If you're in primary school and you want to do something like we do, go see my mate Ash at Growing With Gratitude. Yeah. He's nice. amazing. He's, you know, none of us are a silver bullet for any, everything. Yeah. But – Primary schools, he's the expert. Yeah. High schools, he does some high schools too. That's where I hang out. Yeah. I don't need to duplicate that stuff. A lot of primary schools, well, I know my children's school is for one doing the growth mindset stuff at their school, which is great. So it's already sending him on. I am going back to the the, the young girl, that the 15-year-old that you were talking about in your previous example. It sparked a question in my head about, you know, you're talking about mental health um, and the, those who are at high risk. Mm. What are, like for the, for the adults listening into mm. this podcast, what are some of the issues or concerns? Or Because it's diff- it is different now, right? We grew up yeah. in a world where Facebook and social media wasn't yeah. a thing. Bullying is at an all-time high. Mental health yeah. is going crazy. What are what's going on? What's going on? What's going on? Yeah, and, and the million dollar question. Yeah, can you help? Lots us? Lots of things mm. is the short version. Um, there's a great podcast called The Happiness Lab that comes out of Yale, I think. Um, and I, the example that I remember the strongest that I hadn't heard. So yes, all the things you just mentioned. Um, there's also things. Uh, the the big thing for us is that young people are facing greater uncertainty than people like you and I, at a society level experienced Mm. 
the young people that I trained last term, out of that group of young people, I think only three of them still are in dual parent households. Okay. And so we know the divorce rates and separation rates. And look, at the micro level, in some families, separation is a better outcome, sure. But let's look at a social level here and say divorce and separated families is on the rise, obviously. That whole sense of connectedness and having trusted adults in their life who are all working together to back you and support you as a young person. Yeah. It's very difficult to achieve in those environments. Especially if the adults aren't civil. Yeah, it's not impossible. But I see so many examples of young people who are torn between physically between two households. So that's a time management nightmare, Mm. different parenting styles, different valuing styles. And to be able to then as a single person have a problem that you raise with your parents becomes very complex. So the sense of having an adult that you can rely on, the connectedness and relationships, which are so fundamental to well-being and mental health, is harder. There's challenges there. There's also things, as you said, social media, fear of judgment and failure, um, huge issues that very well researched. But there's also with that uncertainty is climate change anxiety is a thing mm. now. <laughs> so, and even, you know, we've, one of the tools on our program is a visualisation. And we ask young people to imagine waking up in the future in their ideal life. And we talk them through a guided kind of meditation of that experience. And last year, pre-COVID, one of my trainers said to me, they're struggling with that tool. And I said, what do you mean? She's, and she's trained for some time. She said, they're starting to really struggle to imagine their futures because so much is changing and mm. then COVID hit and then it got a bit harder even. Yeah, I don't even know what's happening tomorrow and you want me to imagine waking up in 10 years' time in my ideal life. How am I supposed to imagine that? Everyone keeps telling me the careers of the future don't even exist yet. How am I supposed to imagine my future mm. and goal plan towards that? Which is why our program helps them go back to basics. Go inside, go find your values, go find what will make you happy, build your own skills, habits and confidence and you can navigate uncertain situations. Don't have climate change anxiety and anxiety about future careers. Trust in yourself that you will find a way no matter what comes and that you have the power to shape the world. Yeah. And so that I think is causing massive issues. The Happiness Lab um, podcast talked about um, the small acts of bravery, the opportunities of young people learning how to be brave in social interactions is diminishing with the rise of technology. Mm. And the scenario they used is, you know, when you and I were young, if we went to a supermarket, you'd either get your parents to go buy it or you had to go up to a checkout person and you had to like be brave and give them the money and Mm. take the thing. And you had to go into a record store and like go and buy a CD and you had to go to a bank. This is pre my time maybe, but back, back in the day, you went to a bank and to a teller and you got money out. But now you can do all that from home on your phone. You don't need to interact with a single human being. You don't have to be brave, learn social skills, learn how to make eye contact, learn Mm. how to build relationships. It's all outsourced to technology. And then you want to put them in a conflict situation with a person they don't have a relationship with. They don't know how to scaffold the skills to get there because they haven't accumulated the skills and the confidence to say, oh, yeah, I made a cup of tea and they smiled. Next I'll say hello and they smiled. Next, I'll put my hand up and ask for help and it went well. Mm. Now I'll have a difficult conversation. I have to scaffold those experiences rather than throwing them in the deep end. Yeah, the avoidance is at a whole time high, isn't it really? It's because it's avoidance from the fear of... By design. By not, yeah, by, by design, but not knowing how. You don't how. even know you're doing That's it. That's right. You don't our know kids what you don't, don't even know, know that yeah. it's 
happening because they don't know. They didn't grow up in a world where that yeah. wasn't normal, that you went to self-serve checkout at a supermarket. So they don't know they're missing out on mm. that. They just know that it, they don't know how to interact with humans. It is interesting though because I, I think for me who uh, – from my point of view, for, for uh, someone who absolutely values human connection mm. – I, there's one thing that I am trying to instill in my kids. If we're at a restaurant, for example, like, Dad, can we have some ice cream? It's like, yep, go up and order it yes, yourself. Yes, love you that. Know, things like that where, you know, oh, how, with what money? Well, I'll give you, here's 10 bucks or whatever it is, go get what you need, but you need to figure out the change that you yes. can get back to, right? So yep. you've got to tell me how much, come, go there, yeah. Tell ask what the price is of the ice cream, yeah. come back, tell me, and we can figure yeah. out how much change you should be getting. And, all that and when they say, Dad, I don't want to, I'm scared, you go, I believe in you, mm. it's safe. Go, yeah, not absolutely. do it for them. Well, it gets and to not, a, And then celebrate them when they do absolutely. it and come back. Well, look, that, that first conversation is that I'm scared, but after once or twice they just yeah. they almost run for the Their counter. next level, they, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, because there's, there's, there's a ice cream at the end of it, right? So That's it's either it. do that and get ice cream or don't do it and don't get ice cream. Yeah. So. There's a little and reward. don't underestimate the reward of you celebrating their success. Yeah. There's ice cream and dad's proud of me and that makes me proud of me. Yeah, that's And I true. think, uh, yeah, that subconsciously, even if they don't know what's happening, that they're also rewards. Yeah. So yeah. a lot of the time at Youth Ops, we're just cheerleaders, honestly. We're yeah. just independent people that back these kids and believe in them no matter what. Mm. And, of course, we have the luxury of not knowing how messy their room is and you know, all yeah, the things about the, how wrap bags they wear in maths class and yeah. all of that baggage we don't um, have to come to terms I'm, with. We I'm just reading, get to cheerlead them. Yeah, and that's such a good point. I'm reading this book. It's by Robert Greene at the moment. It's called The Laws of Human Nature mm. and it's a it's a ripper. The one – I read it, I literally read it last night and it was saying that uh, it was an old quote so it was written as men, right? Men will prefer – and a, a, a and applaud to be applauded uh -huh. as opposed to be re um, rewarded with pay or something yeah, like that. Yeah. So they would prefer the recognition yeah. and pat on the back or well done the words yeah. of affirmation as opposed yeah. more so than any other form of of of, uh, of celebrate. Yeah. So uh, so much research about is, that. It is. Yeah. I, I'm interested in you know you. Made, made a really great point, especially from a mental health perspective and not knowing what the future looks like. Mm. We grew up in a world as like, what do you want to be when you grow up, <laughs> right? And so your point, I hadn't actually thought of it, your point of how do I visualise a world that doesn't, we don't even know what exists and what's going to be available, you know. It's, uh, it's one, how do you deal with that? It can be hard. And people like you and I, for example, who spend a lot of time working on those skills, habits, confidence, we understand our values mm -hmm. and we know how to build relationships and, and we have resilience and we can manage tough times and practice gratitude and get enough sleep and yep. all those things. Yep. The elusive unicorn of life. Absolutely. Um, we think, I don't know, but that's okay. Mm. And some days I feel panicky about how I'm going to get through everything and how am I going to deal with that difficult conversation and, gosh, should I have done that differently? But it doesn't push us out of that enduring happiness baseline into a world where it's really tough, really, really tough for us and it becomes overwhelming because we have that resilience, skills, habits and confidence inside ourselves and we've built relationships around us where people, we get cheerleaders and positive symbols and all these other yeah. things around us that reinforce it. Um, and for people who don't have that, and that's age independent, that is um, really, it, it's anxiety inducing, mm. depression inducing, uh, because they, yeah, how do you get from where you are to where you want to be? 
and particularly things like depression. I mean, all of our trainers are certified in youth mental health first aid. Um, right. And mental health first aid, again, is one of those things that's just taken off like gangbusters. I recommend that anybody in the world should just do that training, whether you work with young people or not. So um, is it mental it's health? mental health first aid first training. Aid. It's nationally accredited training. Lots of so people So it's just like a normal it. first aid but. Exactly. A, it's like think yeah. of it that way. Yeah. yeah. So there is also youth mental health first aid. and We run it. Our, we're accredited to okay. deliver that training and all of our trainers have youth mental health first aid. And all right, well, hit me up. I'll, I'll yeah, be, I'll link you in. Yeah. One of the things that you learn on that training, like with, um, with with physical first aid, is you know the consequences of not being able to breathe. How mm. long can you go without breathing and turn people on their side mm. and whatever? Well, you also learn about the consequences of things like depression and anxiety, and how debilitating physically that can be compared to something like full paraplegia. Mm. And they're on par. Mm, yeah, wow. And so you can look at someone who has depression and tells you I have depression. You can say, well, why don't you just get up and go for a run? Why don't you just have a shower and clean up your house and get your act together? And that's like asking a person sometimes who's in a wheelchair to get up and run. <laughs> just get up and run. My legs are broken. I don't care. Just get up and run. And so you start to really understand the depths of how difficult it is for some people and how that scaffolding back out of that can be really important. And how there are lots of ways and sometimes medication is a part of that. Um, and then there's lots of, you can see why some people really um, are there for a long time. It's really tricky. Oh, I, I wouldn't even know where to, <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't even know where to begin. I, this, the thing that's why you get the training. <laughs> well, yeah, so the thing that's going through my head, you're a Brene Brown fan, I know. Yeah. And have you seen the, the little cartoon with getting yes, into the hole? Yes, the pit hole? with yeah. the giraffe and the yeah. bear and the sandwich. And, it's yes. brilliant, right? And if you if you haven't um, if you haven't get on YouTube and just look up yeah. Brene Brown cartoon empathy, empathy cartoon or something yeah. like that. Yeah, um, I, I people human it's human nature to want to be able to fix things, right? So that mm. it's again it's it's a lack of education yeah. around how to deal it's with the people. how do you fix um, it by telling them what works for you yeah or do you by fix giving it? them advice yeah or do you fix it by having that empathy or the coaching and this Correct. is what you guys coach yeah and that's at youth ops we are coaches they train and facilitate but when they're one-on-one -on -one, they coach so we don't say to a young person unless they're really stuck you need to make dad a cup of tea mm. we talk to them about their own ways that they are going to come up with their own strategies. Mm. So we help them with, we have a coaching model, as most good yeah. organisations that yeah. coach do. It starts with goal congruence and moves up to strategies after goal congruence. Once you've agreed what it is you're trying to do, build a relationship with mum, now you decide your strategies. If you need help with your strategies, I can give you a couple of ideas because I've met a lot of young people and they've told me what works and what doesn't sometimes. Yeah. But you ultimately have to be the one that sets those strategies because you're the one that's going to deliver on them now. We mm. call them challenges. Mm. So I'll set you a challenge to make tea for mum. Yep, that's what you want to do. I'm going to write it here and next week I'm going to ask you how it went. Run a little experiment, see what happens. Mm. And then we'll often ask them, you know, do you want to try that? Do you want to keep trying it? Is it a habit now? Do you want? Are you ready for the next level, level mm. up with that? What's your feedback that you normally get? From, from something like that, they, they, is it generally work? Yeah, it's a real mixed bag. We, because we've been around for 24 years yeah. and we've got amazing resources. So I trained last term as a first-time trainer. Oh, wow. I've been around youth ops. I know some of the tools. I've got the four big decisions tattooed on my arm. I yeah. love the philosophy. I know what looking for blue means, but I've never delivered it with young people. So I, I, 
had it on my bucket list to go and actually be a trainer and train a program. It was amazing. And it was really fun to see that come to life for young people and see, as I mentioned, there's like 30 or 50 tools in the toolkit over 10 weeks. Some students really need that because that relates to their goals. Relationships with parents, that's my main thing I'm going for. So all the tools related to that really resonate. They use them, they work on them. Others, that's fine. That's great. Home's great. I've got great sporting. My problem is I'm struggling with my maths and I don't know what I want to do after school. Mm. Great. So all the tools that are related to that will be really relevant for you. And that's what a lot of your challenges will be about in your Mm. one-on-one coaching. So they will fall flat or they'll take them up based on their needs uh, and on how complex their worlds are. So, you know, some, and again, the normalizing is so important. And anytime you've done any peer mentoring or just having friends in industry that you can just talk to, where you say, I tried this thing and it didn't work and someone goes, me too, it's hard, isn't it? Keep Mm. going. Or me too, it's a bad idea, try Mm. something else, Mm. is really, really valuable. Tells you, you know, keep going, you're doing a good job, give it a go or change, adapt. Yep. Mm. Mold it to suit. Yeah. Can you, you would have seen so many good things. Oh, so many good things. Can you give us some of those stories? I like these things. I like these half. <laughs> I actually said, so we launched our um, 2020 uh, annual impact report last week. Yeah. yeah. And we invited um, uh, some of our, just our dearest and most generous supporters to celebrate them because those outcomes have been funded by those people. They enabled those outcomes. The young people put in the hard work, the schools made it happen, but those donors funded it. And mm. without them, those changes never would have happened. So to celebrate them uh, during Youth Week, which was lovely, I said to one, a a corporate partner as she was leaving, she said, you know, I've had a really tough week and it was just so nice to be here and hear a couple of the stories that a student and a donor were sharing with me about the impact of youth ops and how it's changed lives. And I said, baby, you just call me anytime you're down. I get 10 a day. You just call me and I'll tell you the latest one. What? Because they're all, the one that I remember from four years ago when I was on the board is as inspiring as the one I heard this morning. Um, even, okay, here's the freshest one yeah, off, I want off stories. the press. Yeah, just <laughs> like, don't put me off, Erin. I'm not calling you later. We're not putting your phone number out for a hotline. Um, so this morning, yeah. walking around Adelaide, I've come from uh, up on North Terrace at the Gem Factory doing some amazing work with the Leaders Institute and down to see you to record this podcast on beautiful Ghana land. And as I was walking down the street, you know they have those like stickers, advertising stickers on the footpath for like volunteer week or whatever, my a fringe venue, whatever. Yep. Last week was Youth Week. As part of Youth Week, YAXA, the Youth Affairs Council of South Australia, won, run an amazing art prize to uh, with young people to submit their art to be named the kind of winner of the Youth Week art prize and their art um, then became these stickers on the street. So I challenge you to go outside this week and have a look. There are big round stickers on the ground saying Youth Week, South Australia, your voice, our future, and a beautiful artistic work in the middle. And that artistic work is the work of one of our graduates who also earlier that week was a student speaker at our golf day, which raised a record amount of funding at our golf day. And I was so excited I saw (laughs) her art on the floor because I'd seen it on social media. I'm like, oh, my gosh, there's her art. I know whose it is and I know the journey that young person's been on and how 
She is amazing and there's lots of reasons why and she does credit youth opportunities as one of the key things that's helped her get where she is and she just won the art prize and it's here on the street in real life. So I took a selfie with it and I sent it to her trainer and I sent it to our social media person and they'll probably have posted it on social media by now and they'll probably share with the student Brilliant. that the chief executive of youth opportunities so you sat next to a dinner at the golf day, saw your art <laughs> and she's pumped and now she's mentioning it on the Synergy on yeah. podcast. Yeah. Yeah, and then um, I'll go out and see. You it. go, you go looking for it. Yeah, it's I out will. there, Faraja. Um, she's an amazing artist. She's finished high school now, moved on from there, and she's at university doing. Um, again, she's beautiful humans. Um, she's doing a really technical IT um, course. Yeah, at Mawson Lakes, uh, and has beautiful aspirations about how technology is going to help um, communities facing significant disadvantage, um, particularly refugee type communities and women in those types of communities and she just won an art prize and how great is that for yeah. forget stem it's steam now there's an a in there the arts are in there have you heard that oh, stem yeah, the, yeah, yeah the arts stem is there. so last season man it's all yeah, about you know who steam. wants science technology um engineering and mathematics if you're not going to throw some artistic stuff in there you so it's to. steam and she's just human embodiment of uh, that it. future so there's got to be there's got to be one pinnacle. Is there someone that's sort of gone that's gone through the program and it's completely, you know, they've come from a, you know, almost a lower socio economic base and, yeah. and then gone on just as a result become CEO. You know, it's typical yeah. Hollywood story. Is yeah. there any, anything like that? We've got graduates who um, I've met quite a few of the graduates who are now school teachers. Yeah, great. Which is really interesting. Some of them back at the schools where they were youth ops graduates. Obviously, yeah. we've got youth ops graduates working yeah. at youth ops who are training yeah. and leading future programs. Uh, we've got youth ops graduates who are international opera stars. Apparently, they were in that Eurovision or something. Oh, brilliant. They're out there everywhere. Um, I met one at a very fancy soiree recently, very successful in business, probably a millionaire. Oh, yeah, it was very humble beginnings. I'm a youth ops graduate. Um, if you live in South Australia or even Australia and you know someone between the age of about 15 and 30 who's just really bubbly and positive, <laughs> ask them if they did youth opportunities. Because, yeah, <laughs> like, in my experience, 50-50 they do. Yeah, Some wow. of them are baristas and, you know, they might be in their 20s and they're a barista or a hairdresser. And um, the important thing for me is to ask, are you successful? Because I had this with a donor recently, um, this uh, just amazing human being who's a barista and wouldn't know her age but she's well out of school. And I would say and she would say that she is successful in life and a wonderful person. And I mentioned it to a donor and they said, oh, she's just a barista. <laughs> uh, and, you know, people don't know what they don't know, right? And I was talking to um, someone um, confidentially again about like, oh, this person said this thing and I won't tell you who, but isn't it interesting? Because what they don't know is where that person came from. Came from, that's right. Without our program, and again, as a strong advocate for our program, without our program coming along when they were in year 10, they would not be here. Many of our young people tell us that they would not be on this planet Mm. and youth suicide is the leading it's the leading cause of death mm. for people below 24 in Australia. Yeah. It's a very real reality. So your vision of what success is, and this is why we teach young people, you tell me yeah. what your version of success is. Okay, so you're on Eurovision. Good for you. Are you happy? Tell me if you're happy. You're a barista. Are you happy? Do you feel like you're successful? If you say yes to me, that's all I need to know. Yeah, that's but we've brilliant. got both. The good thing is we've got both. Good, brilliant. There's a there is a video 
floating around on on YouTube or social media where it, wherever it is where there's a it's at a camp or somewhere it's at a, a training exercise out in the middle of a park and they've basically got everyone lined up mm. and if I can find this video I'll yeah. I'll put it in the show notes but they've got everyone lined up on this line at the start and it says right I step forward if you've got two parents living in the same house mm-hmm. And sort of half the kids step yeah. forward. Step forward if you go to if you've had your education paid for you, mm. and you get and you yeah. step forward if you get your lunch made for you, whatever yeah. it might be. And so, before you know it, step forward if you've got a family that you can fall back on. And before you know it, there's sort of this smaller group up the front, and then there's this large contingent of, of, of kids still at the start still line. Still at the start line. They haven't moved, right? Yeah. So. It just goes to show that there are some people with such a such a greater head start in life. Yeah, so that, headwind. Yeah, absolutely. So that it is, it's a powerful message yeah. for all to watch, I believe, because it does give you. We're not all starting from the same no, spot. No. Um, if anyone's really, really interested in that, there's a thing called ACEs, Adverse Childhood Experiences, mm-hmm. and it's a, a proper evidence-based index and there's, I can't remember how many ACEs there are, but it's effectively a checklist of every time you tick one of these boxes, you take a step back mm. from the start line. Yeah. So it's a similar it's analogy, even, but yeah. you kind of go to the back of the line and that means you'll have further to go. The important thing for me, for us, is are young people um, where they are because they didn't have the opportunities are the aspirations and the resources to get to the front of the pack um, or are they where they are because um, they've come a really long way and that's where they are right now but they're on their way to get to Eurovision if they want to. Yeah. And so um, it is important we don't, you know, we don't want to say to young people like, oh, gosh, you live in this area, you'll be lucky if you get a job. Like that is not what we're about. We're about no. lifting aspirations while recognising that there are these challenges that they face that they'll need to overcome. And there is a thing called post, post-traumatic growth. So often what you will find even in businesses, like, and for myself, I grew up in horrific circumstances around all the things that you don't want your kids to grow up around. Mm. And I feel like I've lived a life of post-traumatic growth. That has made me resilient and strong. Mm. It doesn't always happen. But some of the strongest people you will know, the most grounded and humble and values aligned are the ones who grew up experiencing really difficult things because they've got a lived experience on mm. it. So they have the empathy for other people and they realize that there are bigger issues afoot and more important things in the world. Um, so sometimes it can really accelerate them and catapult well, it them goes forward. back. it goes back to your point and the ice cream point, right, where the, you know, the, the youth of today just aren't given the experiences and the opportunities because everything's kind of hand-fed to them. It's been them. made easier. That's right. But those who who haven't had it fed to them or given or made easier for them almost in one way are leaps and bounds ahead from yeah. a behavioural point yeah. of view. Like you talk about... Res- you had to learn the skills. You had to learn the skills. And you, resilience is the buzz, buzzword of, the, of yeah. the world at the moment. And um, if you've managed to, you know, make it through and and uh, and plough into so adult, adult life, that skill set you alone, you're, you're in front. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. If you can yeah. land land a job as a barista or whatever, I mean, you, you're already in front of so much of the population purely. So well, yeah. it's a powerful message because... Parents who try to cotton wool their child could almost have mm. the 
same adverse uh, effect. It can cause challenges. Absolutely. Which is why the job of parenting is so hard, right? (laughs) You're always second guessing yourself about what you're doing. Yeah. And and it's not only, you know, we talked about the power of words earlier, yeah. but it's the power of emotions, the power mm. of behaviour, but the mm. power of rolling your eyes or the, you know, mm. it's all the little different yes. things that you can do that kids pick. They're sponges. They pick yes. up everything. Yeah. Um, and they become very, very good at reading body language. They do. So another hot off the press example, mm. the meeting I had this morning was with about eight adults. And one of those adults brought their three-year-old child with lots of things for them to play with. It was about a two-hour meeting. And they said, oh, um, she's only three, so, I, you know, she probably isn't going to leave me. Let's have her here in the boardroom with us. But she's very quiet. And I'd noticed this behaviour because I've given you a book, Dan, and maybe we'll talk about that. Yeah. I noticed this behaviour. They're all lovely people and everybody was very accepting that this child was there, which I thought that's great, that's a good start. But nobody looked at the child and acknowledged them and said hello now, they were looking a bit shy too, so I don't want to freak yeah, out, yeah. right? Like people are probably holding back because they don't want to scare the kid. But I just went, hello, my name's Erin, what's your name? And, of course, she didn't answer me and her mum told me what her name was. And anyway, by the end of the meeting, she gave me a sticker. I asked her for a sticker. <laughs> she gave me one. She's, and she did start getting a bit chatty, which was a bit, you know, annoying for a mum because she said, Shh, I told you not to talk. Well, I'd invited her to talk and I invited her to be noticed. Mm. You're Brilliant. a human in this room. You might be three. If there was a 20-year-old sitting in that corner just – slowly reading a book we would have acknowledged them mm. why did we not acknowledge the three-year-old you explained why they're here but we didn't acknowledge them as a human what mm. does that tell that little human about whether they matter or not and yeah. whether they deserve to be in that room whether they're a burden and they're an object to be put in the corner like your backpack or are you a human being at a table but you just don't really know what's going on right now so that was actually like a really constructive woke thing that everyone's like sure bring your three-year-old in it's great yeah Yeah, we're all about work-life balance and i was like yeah and let's take it next level yeah that's brilliant (laughs) i'm ready to bring this kid in and get stickers from her and we'll get on with business as well thank you for so so much for sharing that example it it is powerful um my my children in conversation uh, some uh, have come up to me and they're probably a little bit more self-aware than most which is great at their age at nine and seven but they've come up to me and go that, that, that guy didn't even acknowledge that I was wow. around. They've actually said that to me. So it's a powerful thing. Okay. And in that human nature book, Laws of Human Nature book that I'm reading at the moment, um, there's an example of, of a parent uh, who was, you know, had come home from a stressful day, um, you know, a single parent mother had come home from a stressful day at, at her job, had to prepare, had to do homework, had all the above uh, issues in life that, mm. you know, that was it, it's tough, right? It's, it's, it's a tough gig. Mm. And her daughter was singing. Mm. <laughs> and uh, in a fleeting moment she got this she got this phone call that was even more distressing and in this fleeting moment mm. while she was on the phone she turned around to this child and said, shut up, you have an ugly voice. Oh. Right, those were the words that that came out of yeah. her mouth, and it does right. Oh. And the 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 child from that point, um, apparently, and this you know she's much older mm. now, but she was giving her example. She stopped singing. Mm-hmm. That was the day she stopped singing. Mm-hmm. That was the day she stopped believing that her voice actually meant anything. Mm. Right, so. We could go back mm. to that power of words, mm. uh, the, the the impact that mm. we as adults can have on the youth. Yeah, 
is huge and we should really always be in check in the yeah. way we're behaving and, yeah. you know, the self-awareness Which is, yeah, be aware and be kind to yourself, right? Because like you said, we're not perfect. We never showed up yeah. on this planet saying that we're perfect. I mean, unless you're a narcissist, I guess you might say that. But <laughs> most of us reasonably agree that we're going to stuff up and step on landmines mm. and there will be traumatic experiences. Our kids will subconsciously remember and it will shape the adults they become and they'll need counselling for it. <laughs> that is the nature of humans mm. and we just try not to have anxiety about it mm. because we were talking about that like oh Absolutely. gosh the uncertainty of what am i doing to my kids like you can have that anxiety as much as you have climate change anxiety Absolutely. um and try and be kind to yourself and um you know go back and apologize and all the same things as when you i mean i remember times when i was a, a people leader uh, you know proper manager you've got a you're a manager and you've got 15 staff and go and i'm like i don't know how to do this mm. and some of the things that i went back and apologized to people for doing in those first two years i didn't i made some really rookie mistakes mm. but i didn't know what i was doing i did mm. some stuff that created some really tricky situations for people um and i went back years later and apologized to some of them and some of them went yeah i remember and some mm. of them went i don't even remember that mm. and you don't know uh, but you know you do that with your kids as well oh, <laughs> sorry there was a thing that so, i did and i didn't mean to and i'm growing and learning well it's that's just being a human being isn't it really yeah. you, you, you're not going to nail it with everyone as a as ceo of of youth ops what's your biggest challenge being or you know it doesn't even have to be youth ops what's mm. your biggest challenge being being the top dog right being the the person at the top leading leading the way the buck stops with you how have you handled that you know we've talked about mental yeah. health is that it's also something that you need to be concerned of for yourself as well yes. and, and keeping that and keeping your own brain fit yeah <laughs> yeah i think um to start with as i said I, I grew up around a lot of mental ill health in and out of psych wards with my mother mm-hmm. um who was um bipolar manic depressive so you you grow up around the really pointy end of it yeah and so i guess i always um had um, an appreciation that it's a, for me, is it a fact of life. It can happen. Sometimes you come out of it. Sometimes you don't. It's fragile. Sometimes you get to choose that. Sometimes yeah. it requires medication and therapy. And, you know, it's a thing. It might happen. Like I might break this glass. I might not. I don't know. But let's just go with it and see what happens. So I didn't necessarily, you know, through COVID and everything last year, and we're obviously, we work in schools, we work face to face, everything to go online, I have to send all the staff home. We're a nonprofit, we're not very tech heavy. We had to buy new laptops, set up new servers, learn how to be mobile. We're human people. We love hanging out together. We had mm. to do everything on Zoom. Um, so it was a very challenging year. And then add to that funding is donations, donations drying up. Can we even do this work? Kids need us more than ever. Schools are finding it hard to pivot. Yes. So many things. And um, I called the Beyond Blue helpline many times um, for some great free um, help. Mm. Uh, it was usually late at night after another 13 hours at Zoom and I just, right, I got 20 minutes, I'm calling Beyond Blue. Oh, yeah. I'm just struggling and help me. And I just, I really, because I grew up around help seeking, mm. um, it's not it's not taking a plunge for me to just call Beyond mm. Blue and say, mm-hmm. hey, can I have a chat? Um, and they, and yeah, they're, they're great. And that's, you know, for us, that's our employee assistance program. We just, you know, call Beyond yeah. Blue. They're really great. Just call them what and is get that, advice. What is that phone call? look like or sound like oh it's a great great question because that can be a big barrier to people yeah, to ask for help absolutely. in my experience and in my um uh, corporate utilities career we had an eap employee assistance program yeah. 
And I remember the first time I ever called one and thinking, I don't know how to start the conversation. And mm. we say the same thing for kids with Kids Helpline. Mm. Don't you worry about that. There's a professional on the other end. You start by saying, hello, my name's Erin. Mm. That's all you've got to do. Their do. job is to go the next step. Just rock step. up. Yeah. <laughs> you just it's rock their, up. It's their job to ask yeah. the questions. And, they'll, and if you just want to just, you can, and they'll try and help shape that with you and support you. If you And so the last few times I've called the Beyond Blue line, I've genuinely been, look, I'm not, um, I'm not in harm's way and I'm not thinking of harming myself in any way, um, but thank you for being there for me if I was in that situation. So I want you to know we're not in that space. Um, but I just felt like I wanted to call you and I'm not sure why, but I just felt like I wanted to do that. And then they just start asking questions and 20 minutes later you hang up and go, oh, I've got some strategies, I've got some insights, someone's listened to me and backing me. Oh, okay, thanks. Good. That's what I needed for now. It's like having a rest. Um, so, yeah, you just got to Do you create that. a personal relationship with that person on the phone no, or well, is it just sort of a... Well, it's the same at Youth Ops, right? So mm. we, you know, we meet these kids and all of a sudden you're like, hi, tell me all your problems. It's mm. not, it's, of course, that's not what you do. Yeah. There's relationship building. Um, but, you know, if you're, if you're a good coach and you've got the skills and the tools to help people open up when they're ready and how they're ready, um, and that is, you know, things like employee assistance lines are brief solution-based counselling. Mm. They're not psychologists. And at Youth Ops, we're not psychologists. So we will often, if a young person requires expert help, we help get them to the point where they're asking for that help. Like, yeah. We are not that person for you. Yeah, you need to go to a GP, you need to get a mental health care plan and you need to go and see a specialist. If this is how you're feeling and this is what you've tried, that would be my advice to you. Um, and then we help get them, uh, you know, or you need to speak up at the school. Are you, do you feel comfortable doing that, telling the school that this is how you're feeling and do you feel comfortable telling your parents and you know, those kinds of things? So we bridge them to those professionals. So when you're talking about that first conversation, it's brief solution-focused counselling. Mm. So they are not sitting there saying, tell me about all your traumatic experiences in life. Mm. They're trying to take you from where you are right now to being safer and able to move forward. I'm, I'm interested in the where you are right now. Like yeah. where I don't know that that's something that I would do, not purely because um, – not purely because I, I I I kind of don't accept it, but more from a oh, I should be right. I'll I'll get through this myself. So I'm really interested a in stoicism. Well, it's you know or resilience. Well, well, because trust me, last year going through COVID and you know the, the business itself took a hit. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, there's times that you kind of, again, I was never in a point of being in harm's way, but there was mm. definitely times like, shit, I just need a bloody unleash on someone here, like mm. get everything that's off my chest and I don't know who mm. to speak to. Mm-hmm. But I kind of always just wrote it down. Like that was my. Great. Yeah, that was my way. I just journaled and wrote it down. Yeah. So is that the same point? Like, Why is not? that Yeah. Whatever works for you. Mm. I think what I love about that is, you, you, you know, you've got that resilience where you're saying, I'm not in harm's way. I have the skills and the confidence to seek out strategies and try them. I've got a growth mindset. I've got high sense of agents. This is my problem to solve. 
and I can choose how to do that. Mm. Will I do it myself through some journaling or some punching or go for a run or <laughs> ask him like a punching bag, <laughs> punching maybe bag, not yeah. humans, <laughs> punch something yeah. for someone. Yeah. Um, you know, ask a mate to go on a bike ride with me or, yeah, or, you know, have you got someone in your life that you just want to blah, 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 yeah. do that is, you know, okay with you unloading like that? You're seeking strategies because you have a high sense of agency and confidence that that will work for you, mm. which is wonderful. And that's all we can hope. And for me, sometimes I do those things and sometimes I call Beyond Blue because I think I don't really want to, I don't want to get into a big conversation with people I know who, or who know the situation or know the individuals or will try and solve the problem for me. He'll go like, oh, well, why don't you just talk to, you know, your mate, blah, blah, blah. I don't want that. I want someone independent and I don't, I don't know what's, what's going on. So I just want someone to. I want to kind of fall asleep at the wheel here. Like you ask me the questions. Yeah. Whereas, you know, when you talk to a mate or your journal, and journaling is good for that free form thinking. Mm. You don't know where you're starting, you just start. Mm. Um, but, you know, sometimes when you're talking to your friends, they're like, well, what's the matter anyway? You go, I don't know. That's why I'm talking to you. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll, I'll get a professional And they'll generally ask, will probably give you their opinion. Where the sometimes. People, where the opinion on the, yeah. the person on the phone yeah. isn't there more or no, less just. it's not their job. Now, I am very fortunate that a lot of my friends and the people I hang out with are youth opportunity people. Mm. So they are highly skilled at not doing that. Mm. And so I am just eternally blessed that I get to surround myself with these people because <laughs> I'm just hanging out all day with these people <coughs> and young people who do it back to me as well. Yeah, that's so mm. good. Yeah, yeah it's a know, good life. We've, we've just hit the hour <laughs> and a half mark very quickly. Fast um, round. So we're going to get to the fast round. I do want to ask you one last question. Mm. Your um, your annual report, the newest one out, has just stated that you have an ambitious five-year plan. Yes. Can you just give us what? Yeah. a bit of insight on where you're going yeah. in the next five years? Thank you. Um, we're national now, which is exciting. Brilliant. Not national in a big way yet, but it's um, on the way um, the second half of 2021 and beyond. We have people overseas um, trialling our programs and services for us in a range of settings to tell us whether they cross those cultural barriers. Is it is it applicable for you in different settings and different environments and at different levels of engagement and education? You know, like if someone's willing to just log on and pay for the program and take themselves to the next level, they'll get what they want out of it because of what we were just talking about. Brilliant. But, you know, again, for young people in another country, in complex situations where they're not engaging in learning, there might be digital literacy issues, there might be um, neurodiversity challenges, there might not be a way for us to reach their parents and teachers. What outcomes does that, how far does it get you in that situation mm. to know where, where we can really take it? We're outside the school gates now. So definitely the, um, the philanthropic part of our business is very much about young people in disadvantaged areas facing challenges. That doesn't mean disadvantaged children. It means people living in complex environments yep. and facing challenges. And as I said, the stats show that all young people are facing challenges these days anyway, no matter mm -hmm. where you live. Uh, but we do, as I said, have a social enterprise um, component of working in other schools and businesses with people who see, again, They've got young people up to 25 years old in their businesses grappling with the same issues and they want to invest in their workforce and in the community. And so their ability to be able to say yes to that now is amazing. Um, and then there's a whole bunch of other things that we're working on. I'm a business person by trade, so we're building, there's a new CRM going in, we're upgrading to SharePoint, we've got to deal with outgrowing our accommodation. There's, you know, all of that stuff happening. Brilliant. How do you just grow a business? 
that's gone from kind of 20 people to about 35 people in two years and maybe will be about 150 yeah. in two years. Brilliant. Yeah, so it is good. brilliant. I know. On, a, on a strict budget. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, being – and I think because I grew up professionally in utility government type space and, as I said, I come from humble beginnings. So it's in my values to be very prudent. Mm. Um, and the partnership aspect also means that you don't have to do everything. So don't waste your money. And, and I'm also a systems thinker. Look at the system and think about where you'll add value. Don't just go in. So I have this conversation a lot where people say, oh, why don't you just like go and see the prime minister and get some funding to be in every school in Australia? I said, because not every school in Australia wants me. Hmm. So hello, hmm. that's very paternalistic yeah. <laughs> uh, and patronising. Yeah. Schools do some amazing work. Yeah. And um, not every school in Australia maybe needs me. Maybe mm. they've got some really great place-based solutions they're working on and I could learn a lot from them. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we really like to go where the system needs us to go. And unfortunately at the moment there is a lot of need in the system. But the good news is we're adapting to be able to put the value where we need to. And as I say, because constantly trying to inspire people to invest their time, treasure, talent and tribes mm. into young people. You know, volunteer, connect me with people that might be interested in investing, open up doors and opportunities uh, because there's a lot of need there and we can do some really great stuff really quickly. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for everything that you're doing. You're welcome. And I've got the a great team. team. And the team, <laughs> yeah. yes, let's not forget that. We wouldn't be able to do half the stuff mm -mm. or would any of it without not the team. Not a lot. So, <laughs> So quick fire questions. Mm -hmm. We have changed them up recently. So, yeah, so if you have hit prepared, me. if you have prepared, I haven't. But hit me. The reading ones stay the same. So what are you? Oh, yes. What are you reading right now? We are at work. Uh, I bought, I think, twelve copies of a book called Burnout after oh. hearing about it on the Brene Brown, Brown podcast, podcast, and we're running yeah. a book club on that at the moment. And our book club is also looking at how brands grow um, out of the Ehrenberg Bass Institute okay, um, because that is obviously a big part of our growth aspirations. And we believe that yeah, that's where to start. They have amazing evidence-based strategies for growing brands. And so that what's that book called? So uh, Burnout's how the first brand, one. Burnout and, 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 and how brands grow. And there's I think there's three of this part one and part two, and they're classics in marketing, but of course in things like um, social <laughs> enterprise. Yeah, Ehrenberg Bass. <laughs> we are so spoiled in South Australia because the Ehrenberg Bass Institute is at UniSA here, and it's a global think tank on fantastic evidence-based, science-backed marketing, and they do it in are all industries. In Sorry? Are you involved in that? No, we're just fans. Oh, just <laughs> yeah, we buy all their books. Oh, there you <laughs> no. go. All right. Well, we just love their work and we take them for coffee every now and I'm again just... and pick their brains. And I mean, they work in automotive and fast-moving consumer goods and wine and all sorts of industries. Beautiful. But they're, you know, those great theoretical underpinnings that apply to human nature. How You know, what is it about humans that make them buy mm. or associate with a brand and for us a lot of that is it might be buy but it might also be the psychological value attached to the program for a young person why would i do a youth opportunities program now they're not buying it they're not paying for it but they are buying into investing their time mm. in it or you know a donor that i met last night like what are they buying into when i talk to them that makes them go i'm going to use some of my social capital and introduce you to someone i know like they're spending social capital when they introduce me to yeah, someone absolutely so yeah really how brands grow book club we are we fangirl girl over all of that how books no, how, how brands, brands grow, grow and mm -hmm. bro burnout. and burnout mm -hmm. i've heard that burnout books mm -hmm. amazing perfect um what's one book 
that you would recommend to younger kids or to grown up or parents of kids or anything in that realm? To so, younger uh, kids. Well, yeah. Let's, well. Both parents, at, yeah. this one here that you've give, yes, kindly so gifted me. When I walked in and said, Dan, I've got a book for you. I don't uh, know how much you love books. Uh, <laughs> anyway, that answers one of my questions. Christmas, yeah. <laughs> <that's right. laughs> yeah, so my favourite book of all time, and it's a hard call because there's a lot of them, yeah. is Becoming Better Grown-Ups. And Becoming it's Better Grown-Ups by Brad Montague. Montague. Yeah. Becoming Better Grown-Ups, Rediscovering What Matters and Remembering How to Fly. So if anybody's ever heard of Kid President, uh, who's a YouTube sensation, Brad Montague is the creator of Kid President and actually the brother of Kid President. Um, and he has um, a company called Montague Workshops but also um, established what um, Soul Pancake. So people might have heard of that too. Mm -hmm. um, they do amazing video content in the social change and kindness space if you've got children, you need to show them Kid President videos. I mean, they're like a decade old now. Kid He's president. so grown up. Kid President. Um, and it's this young boy who's like in a suit. And, I'm going to dance. I'm going to save the world. I'm the president. <laughs> and he meets Beyonce and it's all very cute. Kid President. But he's a very positive, um, uplifting young person. But the book Becoming Better Grown Ups, so that's just one of the things that Brad does. The book is about how we as previous children, <laughs> grown ups, um, can be better uh, in terms of how we create an environment for young people to be better future um, adults yeah, and grown-ups. And it can be – so it's for educators. There's a great discussion guide for educators, a great discussion guide for parents that goes with it. But, of course, it's neighbours, mentors, footy coaches, uh, employers who particularly in places like, you know, we talk to Drake's supermarkets and McDonald's very high percentage of young workforces. They're like first jobs organisations. Yeah. Um, you know, the stuff we were talking about, acknowledging young people are in the room, listening to them, playing with them. I have mm. a side hustle called Lead With Play. Play is so, so, so important to us as humans, not just as kids but as adults. And um, Brad struggled himself with mental health challenges and the pressure and anxiety of being a parent to two young children. And he shares a lot of that in the book. So it's very authentic but also very practical about how we can be better grown-ups. So good. So becoming better grown-ups. Mm -hmm. um, side hustle? Lead with play. Lead with play. Is that complimentosaurus? Is that where you get is that? <laughs> no, no, but it's one of the other <laughs> <laughs> we, we Actually, let's not go down no. that path because <laughs> we could be here for another hour if we no. do. Let's go back to these quick fire yes. questions. What other podcasts do you listen to? So you said the Brene Brown one. Oh, yes. Well, yours, obviously. Oh, well, no, I, no doubt. I, I posted on social media. I, I love Elaine Benstead uh, and Frank, I know you just interviewed too yeah. and so many other great people I didn't know either. And um, Elaine's podcast in particular was very triggering for me about how I navigated COVID as a CEO. Mm. A lot of the experience she was sharing, um, yeah, brought up a lot of, I guess, little T trauma how? of last yeah, for me, that I yeah. kind of buried in the back of my brain. Yeah, how amazing was Elaine's? Yeah. Oh, she's yeah, it, so tricky. And a lot of that people go, oh, how would you get through COVID? I'm like, I don't know. I don't want to think about it. And mm. Elaine really did unpack it and that did bring up some stuff for me and I did need to call Beyond Blue about it. <laughs> but it was oh, good. It was cathartic. And that's what the burnout book tells you you should do, move through the emotion and honour the um, emotion. Um, so I did that. It was wonderful. Um, I'm listening to my, my favourite is always Stuff You Should Know. Oh, yeah. It's one of my favourites. That's so good. It's so random. Um, <laughs> and I'm also currently listening to a podcast called 
teach by the Department for Education. Uh, they're mm-hmm. doing some really amazing work in curriculum development and as people who work with schools but are not schools, it's really important for us to understand our customers and the system that we're trying to add value to. So I'm just soaking up everything that they'll give me. And I love that a government department is doing a high-quality, well-produced podcast. Like how cool is yeah. that? Didn't so, know about it actually. Yeah, I'm going to have to look called, into it. Yeah, it's really good for anybody who's interested in the school um, social system, you know, system yeah. from that point of view. Who do you admire or look up to? Everybody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Other than me, right? But no, as in- <laughs> I mean, no, but just you. <laughs> oh, so many people. You know, that like, you have that like if you could invite three people to dinner, yeah. who would it be? Actually, like, I should ask that question. Well, that's a similar it's one. It's the right? same one. Right? I don't know. The three people that recently inspired me. Um, uh, we do ask the young people this and we share as well as trainers. So um, for me, I always answer them is my mom. Um, she's passed away now. She passed away at 62 of cancer, but that was not her biggest battle in life. Obviously her mental health was, and she was a vulnerable person who grew up facing even worse things than I did, which maybe she would have ended up with her mental illness anyway, but it sure as heck didn't help her. Um, but she, um, and it's easier now she's not here (laughs) to think back on the positive qualities that she instilled in me, um, through a very difficult childhood. Um, and how they're in my values and how I value those. Mm. So her sense of community is a big one for me. Um, She owned the local general store in a small country town and she volunteered on driving the fire trucks and she'd steal all of the dogs that weren't being looked after by the farmers if they weren't looking after them. She said, that's it, you're not taking that dog, it's mine now. We had nine dogs at one stage growing (laughs) up. She'd just rescue them all. Um, And she would just give anything to anybody. So particularly when she was going through a manic episode, we would come home from school and there'd just be people in the house. And she'd go, oh, this is your new auntie, Jeremy. (laughs) So you're living with me now and you have what kind of drug addiction? And so (laughs) we're not exactly safe, but that sense of um, giving all that you have to people that need it even more than you do. Mm. Um, You know, I get that from her and, um, and she never gave up. I'm going to start crying. Mm. Yeah, she never gave up. Good human. Mm. So what's some of the best advice that you've ever received? That I've received? Mm. Get more sleep. It's <laughs> the first one that comes to mind. I know, right? Just get more I'm sleep. I'm working then. on that at the moment. I bought a new watch that's tracking my sleep and I'm, looking, I'm thinking out and going, I'm not sleeping well here. Yeah. I'm, not doing, I'm not doing this right. Yeah. The one thing that you think you could do right, I'm not yeah. doing it right. Oh, no, it's hard. <laughs> it is real hard. It's so hard. And sleep hygiene for young people is a massive issue. And, again, we're very spoiled. There's an amazing sleep researcher here in Adelaide, Adelaide Uni, called Siobhan. She does phenomenal work on sleep. Um, and there's just so much evidence how critical it is. Look, I am an um, addict for having coaches and mentors in my mm, life. So I think same. I've got like six official coaches at the moment. Yeah. So I get a lot of advice. You do? Yeah. Is there is there one thing that you would like to share that just stopped you in your tracks almost? You went, I, I really need to rethink this or the way I've always done things. I have those moments like every second Yeah, day. I know, right? Yeah. I mean, the ones that pop into head – I've always been growing up. I was always an overweight person Mm. and the coach I have at the moment, Bridie Walker, who is all about don't look at the scales. Um, And I went and got uh, this Saba body testing and it tests muscle mass and it tells you about metabolic rates. And it says, look, honestly, if you want to be healthy, don't worry about the fat, worry about the muscle. You want to build muscle, 
Muscle burns fat. Mm-hmm. So just focus on building muscle and a healthy lifestyle. The rest will come. Don't scales or whatever. So that's a real transformative thinking for a young woman. Um, I'm 42 now, so I can't really claim that I'm young. But anyway, for less, a person, I used to be a young up, woman you know, young. who grew up yeah. around a lot of um, <clears throat> self-doubt around body image and seeing myself in a certain way and therefore not worthy of certain things. That's a huge flip. Um yeah, and I guess, you know, just always fighting imposter syndrome and when you have those moments where you get a moment of insight of like, oh, no, I think I am really good at this, <sighs> then they're beautiful moments too. Mm. I'm, I, yeah, the imposter, I could talk about it for an hour. There's another podcast. Syndrome, oh, <laughs> do I ever doubt myself? But, you know, I think the the attitude of, of not giving up and I think that is probably where the growth value comes in for both of us, yeah. uh, is uh, if we almost consistently review ourselves against others, which isn't a good thing. Um, uh, however, yeah, go in, Dan. Yeah. Go inside. Yeah, measure yourself against yourself. Well, that's right. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's a constant battle. Yeah, constant battle. Yeah. If you had access to a time machine, this one, I kept this question. <laughs> it's one of my favorite. If you had access to a time machine, you could go forward or back. Yeah. Where would you go? Oh, that's so random. Am I stuck there or can I come back? No, you can come back. Okay, too. great. So I'm just visiting. Yeah. I would definitely go in the future. Who yeah, doesn't? Oh, if I can good, come back. How good are you? Everyone says As past. long as I can come back. Everyone, no, you can Don't come back. Don't make the machine break and I get no, stuck there. No, you can come back. It's a two-way trip. but yeah. you, it, And not my future. Like well oh. after, like, you know, I'm talking 100 years. Yeah, because I, I don't want to see I'm where my thousands. thousands. I'm talking. Yeah, yeah no, <laughs> that's true. Oh, yeah. I assume the planet's not here by then. <laughs> well, I want to see the human race across the galaxy. That's what I want to see. Mm, who knows, right? Mm. Yeah, but yeah. So, future? Why future? Because I can get lots of perspectives on what the past looks like through certain eyes that weren't there, but nobody can show you actually what's in the future through any perspective. They mm. can imagine, mm. but they can't actually say. What was there? Oh, you can help the kids prepare for their jobs. I know, right? <laughs> Guys, I've seen the future. You need to develop gills. It's going to be important. It's water world. <laughs> I don't know. Kevin yeah, Costner's exactly. water world. If you had one superhero power, what would it be? I already have it. What's that? It's positivity, man. Oh, you do. It is. And I, I heard some stuff recently where uh, oh, I was Ali um, who does another fantastic podcast. Ali uh, Nitschke. Yes. And yeah. on her podcast someone was talking about the zone of genius and it's like you're in flow. What are your strengths? And your strengths are usually the things you don't notice because it's your zone of genius. It's like when really strong people lift really heavy things and they don't think it's effort. It's because mm-hmm. they're strong at it and they don't notice. And then a weakling comes along and tries to lift up you know, the couch and they can't and that's when you realise you're stronger. Mm. Oh, that wasn't hard for me. I didn't realise I was strong at that. And for me, especially being at Youth Ops and now it's a self-fulfilling prophecy because it just gets better and better. For me, my zone of genius is an optimistic mindset and seeing the positive in things. And it's an overused strength at times. It can be very annoying for people where they go, oh, that person cut me off in traffic and I'll be like, oh, I'm really sorry. I wonder if they're like had an emergency. Uh, yeah. Like I'm always trying to find the, you know, the the optimistic uh, reason why it's not their fault and you shouldn't blame people for things mm. and there could be a better way and like I just want to wallow for a minute. Don't make me think about the positives <laughs> or like empathy. <laughs> but it's kind yeah, of a so superpower. I, 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 you, I'm going to call you. You're you're the top person, aren't you? Because I, I feel like there's so much negativity in the world mm. that 
you're a breath of fresh air because I'm the same. I look at things and everyone's like, no, that can't be done. Well, why not? Mm. <laughs> like why can't it? I'm not reinventing the wheel. Yeah. It's, it's been and done I before. I love to ask because that's a, it's a wonderful person we used to work with called Lisa who taught me about or or and mm-hmm. language um, or but and and. So, instead, you know, when you're, you know, you're having that debate, I'm like, well, why can't it? Tell me why, but it could be. Mm. And she was so great. She was wonderful at change management. She said if you flip that from but or or to and, which in that scenario is like what if. You say what if it was possible instead mm. of but it is and I think it is and yeah. I don't think it is. You just end up in this silly battle. So a lot of the time like kids say that's too hard or mum won't respond that way. Like I did a nice thing for her and she was really mean to me back. And instead of going, well, but what if, I just say what if it didn't, what if it was different? Mm. What if you tried harder? What if you tried again? What if uh, I'll never have a good relationship with dad? What if you could though? Mm. Like hang out imagining that for a minute. Now do you want to try? What mm. if you could? What if yeah. it was possible? Would it change? Maybe it doesn't change anything. Maybe it's still too hard or maybe it does. Have you read Jim Quick's Limitless book? No. Oh, it's a brilliant and Limitless. you need to, okay. yeah, you need to get onto it. But he does something similar in that book. So he, the book is about how to learn. So he, he goes, there's all these books in the world that teach you things, but no one actually knows how to learn. So his <laughs> book is about how to learn. But it, one thing, and I, I said his last podcast, uh, he, he did say, don't use the word I get to, or, I've got to, I've got to unload the dishwasher, I've mm. got to pick up the kids, I've got to do my homework or whatever it might. You, change the words to I get to. Mm. Right? I get to unload the dishwasher. Mm. Why Why is that positive? Well, because there's some people who don't have a dishwasher mm. right there. Oh, I get, really powerful gratitude mm, then. I get to do my homework. Why do I get to? Because there are some children that don't yeah. have the opportunity to learn like you do, right? So it's just about... Yeah, changing the power of attitude. Your words. Yeah, and mm. attitude. Last question: What's your what's your best mum slash dad joke? It's oh, or shitty joke, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this guy called Peter. I always still hears, but I'll stick with mine. Um, what's brown and sticky? I know the answer to this: a stick. It's a stick. That's it. <laughs> it's a- but what I really that's one of my favorites. <laughs> it's good, isn't it? So simple, and I can't forget it. Yeah. But what I love about it is when some people don't know, and they spend ages trying yeah. to work it out, and then you just go, "It's a stick," and they go, "Oh, you're an idiot." Yeah. I, go, I know, but how fun's that? I know. I did the same. Oh, there's another one. What's um, blue and looks like a bucket? A blue bucket. A blue bucket. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a... Don't overcomplicate <laughs> life, man. It's that easy. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on the show, Erin. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on. I really, um, I really thank you for everything you're doing for the youth in in today's world. It's it's a brilliant um, program that you run mm-hmm. over there. So thank you to you and the, your team. Thanks. It's our privilege. Can you share with us how, if anyone does want to donate, yeah. can you share with us how that someone would go about that? Yeah. So as I said, we will take time, treasure, talent, and tribes. So if you yeah. want to donate money, you can go to our website, youthopportunities.com.au, and there's a donate button. You can look at, um, if, you know, if corporate partnerships. We always love um, having a chat with people that are values aligned and, and want to um, align their businesses with um, what we're doing. Um, so there's definitely that opportunity. If people want to volunteer with us with their time or their treasure, you know, their knowledge and their experience, then yes, reach out again, either through our website or find me on LinkedIn. My name's pretty uniquely spelled. So yeah. you'll be able to find me and let me know how you want to invest 
your time and talent in young people and we'll try and find a way. Um, or I might know someone, you know, an ally in our field that'd be better suited for you to go and have a chat with. Um, and the tribe, you know, the networks, if you've, um, come across our staff, heard, you know, what we, what we do and you know, someone who might have time, treasure and talent, um, that would be interested in partnering with us in some way, then let them know we exist because we are still on a journey with people knowing our brand and our work. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, the networking is really great too. Excellent. Thank you so much. Thank you. And we can find you on LinkedIn. Is that yes, probably the easiest Aaron way? Bamman. Yep. So F I can never F, I know. It's F the worst spelling <laughs> Well, if you're German, it's not. <laughs> so F E A H. Yeah, Erin and it's F A E H R M A double N. Perfect. Um, so definitely read it off of Dan's podcast title. Yes, do that. <laughs> you won't get it wrong. Thank you very much again. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, everyone. Bye, Cheers. Thank you once again for joining us here at Creating Synergy. It's been great spending this time with you. Please jump on to the Synergy IQ Facebook and LinkedIn page where the discussion continues after the show. Join our mailing list so you'll know what's happening next at synergyiq.com.au. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. And if you really enjoyed it, please share it with your friends.